Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the show that's brought to you by our corner men and women over at Paddy Power. This week, we'll hear from Adam Azim and his good mate, Amir Khan. And we'll get some views from the self-proclaimed most ducked man in boxing. I'm Charlotte Daly. I'm Alex McCarthy. And this is The Hook. Yes, we'll be hearing from all of those shortly, but with all of the news in boxing right now, there really is only one place to start. It appears that AJ, Anthony Joshua, will be fighting in Saudi Arabia this year after all. December 23rd, is back on. It's not against Deontay Wilder, but Deontay Wilder's going to be there, Charlotte. I can't quite believe it's actually happening. I really didn't think there was going to be enough time to get this over the line, but it sounds like it will be done. You know, Eddie Hearn, Anthony Joshua and Turkey Alashik, who his, his excellency from Saudi Arabia, all met on Monday. Now, as of 6pm on Monday evening, Joshua's contract to fight Otto Wallen had not been signed. Um, they were hoping to kind of get that signed that evening or early this morning. Um, but I have been told that the rest of the card were told last week that they had to be in London at the start of this week for some suit fittings for the press conference on Wednesday. And if those contracts are signed today or even last night, that press conference will be going ahead tomorrow. It's worth noting, as Charlotte says that, we're recording this on Tuesday. So tomorrow being Wednesday is when the press conference would go down. We'll have to see how that unfolds in the coming hours. You, you mentioned there about all the people that might be on the card. Uh, Daniel Dubois is rumoured to be. Joseph Parker would be Jonte Wilder's opponent. And it's worth noting, of course, Parker being a training partner of Tyson Fury. And you said it there yourself, Otto Valin taking on Anthony Joshua. So with Tyson Fury and Alexander Usyk falling through for December the 23rd, it seems that they haven't struggled to find replacements. Yeah, it's a pretty stacked card. I mean, the fact that you've got two great fighters within the top four heavyweights as your co-main event is pretty impressive. You know, can't forget you've got Dimitri Bivol in there as well. He's been rumoured to fight on that card. As you said, Daniel Dubois, um, he'll be fighting against Jarrell Miller. Frank Sanchez is also rumoured to be on the card. Now, I know that Frank's team actually reached out to Jermaine Franklin, who fought against Anthony Joshua um, not last 
last time out, but the time before that, they wanted to set up a uh, fight with the American. He's actually turned it down now, I can confirm, because of the fact it's such a quick turnaround and that he can't get a full camp in. But that was on the cards. So there's a lot of money being thrown around and a lot of big names that they're tying down. Um, As I mentioned before, there are a few contracts that haven't been signed yet. So not everything is done and dusted, but it's in the works. Yeah, a lot of pieces to put together with a card like that. You're not wrong. Um, You know, it's worth noting that Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua, that has been the fight that everybody has wanted to see. How is it that we are having them on the same card in December on the 23rd, just before Christmas this year, a date that, you know, a night or I should say any year that Eddie Hearn has long suggested could be home of that fight. And we're not getting that fight. They're fine. Different opponents, intriguing opponents in their own right, but it's nowhere near as interesting as Wilder versus Joshua. Is this just a prelude to what's going to go down next year where they finally do meet in, presumably, Saudi Arabia? And could it be that this has been, they've been jettisoned into this date because of Fury and Usyk? So that, those delays have had a knock-on effect where they've scrambled together to get this sorted out. But really, it could be a money-making exercise where they get two dates in Saudi instead of one. Certainly is a money-making exercise. Um, I think it's particularly disappointing for the fans. Um, We've been wanting to see this for about five years and, you know, it's been hard trying to tie them down and get them under the same roof. And we've now got that, but they're not fighting against each other. I think when you look at each of them individually, you can see why they've gone down each route. I mean... Deontay Wilder has nothing to lose when it comes to Anthony Joshua. Like, he wants that fight. He's made that very clear. He's gone on social media and he's called out Anthony Joshua and said, we need to make this fight happen. Of course, there's risks associated with that, and I'm sure we'll get into it, um, about the fact he's been so inactive and, you know, he hasn't had much boxing under his belt and he's been, you know, practising with MMA and the chance that there might be a crossover fight there. But I actually think... And I'm sure boxing fans will come after me for this, but I actually think what Matchroom and AJ are doing here is smart for his career because Eddie Hearn has said multiple times that AJ's interested in belts. He wants to become a world champion again. And you may kind of ask why have they chose Otto Wallen for this fight, but it's because of that IBF belt. I mean, Joshua's made it clear he wants that title and Otto, you know, is the best chance. He won the eliminator for the IBF number two, um, having defeated uh, Maurice Grasvik on split decision. Anthony Joshua is number three. Philip Hergovich is number one, the mandatory. So a lot of people, you know, if the fight between Tyson Fury and Usyk happens as we want, ultimately Hergovich should fight the winner. A lot of people don't think they'll take that fight with Hergovich, which means the IBF belt would become vacant, which means whoever wins between Hergovich and who he's fighting in Saudi Arabia and whoever wins between Otto and Joshua in Saudi Arabia will fight each other for the vacant belt, meaning Joshua could become a world champion again and then move on to take the big money belt with Deontay Wilder. So in my opinion, It makes sense for Joshua in terms of his career progression. It's disappointing for the fans. I'm a fan. I want to see him fight Deontay Wilder. But I understand why he's going down this route because you could say, what about the other belts between Tyson and Usyk? But 
He's not going to want to fight Usyk again after what happened last time. Mm-hmm. And you just don't know what you're getting with Tyson Fury. So if Tyson wins the belts, will AJ even get a look in? I don't know. So that's why I think he's going down that IBF route. Yeah, it's all about positioning. And it's worth saying that Frank Warren did the same with Daniel Dubois not so long ago. Nobody cared about the WBA regular belt. Nobody did. But Frank knew that by Dubois winning that, that he could get the shot against the world champion. And that's how ultimately the Usyk bout came to pass. Okay, he came up short, but he certainly got to that route quicker in a real heavyweight traffic jam than he would have done any other way. He wouldn't have got that shot otherwise. Nobody was clamoring for Dubois versus Usyk otherwise, right? So I I totally understand the rationale. The only thing that that perhaps lends itself to, though, is, okay, Hearn is taking this protected route, if you like, and I say protected in air quotes because Otto Wallen is not a gimme. We saw against Tyson Fury how dangerous he can be with the cut he opened up above the Gypsy King's eye. But, um, yeah, I... I think Will we is- even get the Deontay Wilder fight is my question. Because if AJ gets himself in that right spot and then Usyk and Fury do have their undisputed title fight and, and AJ's well positioned for the winner, why face Wilder? I mean, at the moment, as it stands, I think this is a mistake that they're making in terms of these negotiations for a fight like this on December 23rd. There's nothing in the contract at the moment that says that AJ and Wilder have to fight each other next after this. Deontay Wilder's last outing was Robert Hellenius, first round knockout. AJ's last outing was Robert Hellenius, seventh round knockout, and Hellenius had fought just a week before that. Um, just the kind of context of the competition they've been up against recently and and basically how everyone is waiting to see other dominoes fall at the top of the division. Monopolised by two men that hold all the belts. Okay, Tyson Fury's only got one. This heavyweight card is really a what's going to happen next. Right, this has apart from Zhang and Hergovic, this has everybody who's got a stake in what happens next. I personally feel like Anthony Joshua would fight anyone. I do not subscribe to this idea that he ducks anybody. He took Alexander Usyk when he really didn't have to. He rolled the dice, believing I will win this, and then I'll have Tyson Fury in the undisputed title fight. Did not work out that way. Alexander Usyk may go on to upset the. British party full stop when he, if not when, if he defeats Tyson <laughs> Fury. Apologies. Um, but the thing is, I think AJ would love to get his teeth into these big fights. He knows that he's got le- less time in the game. You know, he's, he's, he's spent more time in boxing than he's got left, right? And he knows there's only a select few great fights left for him. Wilder and Fury, basically. They're the two fights people want to see. So do you rush to those and cash in? And I can see Eddie Hearn is like the the angel on his shoulder, if you like, saying, don't do it. We need to get you the smartest route to these fights. And I think where we're at of AJ is that we're looking at Otto Wallin and we're, we're not thinking that's automatic because he hasn't had that standout performance that I still believe he does have in him. But I do wonder if he needs those great opponents to prize it out of him. Let's get to some mail online comments on this uh, December 23rd card. Pete112, Peaches and Cream, clearly a big fan. Uh, Wallen is no joke, but why is AJ still taking tune-up fights before getting in with the top five guys? He is a top five guy, by the way. (laughs) He's an ex-champion in his prime, and there'll never be a better time. I do take Pete's point, but I think to what you were saying earlier... You, if he takes the Wilder fight and wins, he's still waiting. 
right? Like, I, I think they are doing their best to be smart. And perhaps there are multiple paydays from Saudi Arabia here with Riyadh season rather than what if he goes in with Wilder and loses? I know you're not supposed to think that about if you're Eddie Hearn, right? Or, or even us Brits, but that that would ruin everything, right? If he did that, I suppose they're just trying to make the smart play. Yeah, and I said it before earlier about Otto not being um, a bad opponent. Like, I actually think if AJ can win this within the distance, that will be a statement in and of itself, you know? Mm. And the fact that, you know... Um, this fight could tell us a lot about where AJ is at the moment and tell us about where his career is going. So I think there's a lot to be said for this fight. Um, but Keith Lamnot doesn't have some great things to say about Eddie Hearn. He says, Hearn strikes again after months of talking big. Another no-mark opponent for his fast-fading cash cow, AJ. What's the point in even fighting Otto? Mm, I mean, for, for Volin, I think... I mean, looking at his record, right, he's 28, he's had 28 fights, right, 26 and one, and he's got one no contest. The one loss is Tyson Fury. No shame in that. I do get that his CV isn't exactly sexy, right? You're not thinking, oh, you know, what amazing wins over some of these glamorous names, because there aren't any. But from what we saw against Fury and have seen since, he's certainly a dangerous foe. But going back to what Pete said and, you know, latching on to Keith here, I absolutely don't think AJ is looking for tune-up fights or is in you know control of what he wants in that regard. I I definitely think Eddie Hearn is steering the ship on this. Look, if you're looking for that next poster boy or that next you know or girl, and you're looking for that star that's going to lead you in in box office buys, I think they thought Conor Ben was going to be that. But you'll there'll be mud on that name now that he's going to have to work hard to to wipe off. And I know that. He, you know, he's trying to clear his name and, and has done to a degree, but still, that will stick with a lot of people. And they, they've got amazing fighters like Galal Yafai and, and like that on their ranks. That That's not what we're talking about. It's who is going to sell out stadiums and, and drive pay-per-views. And I think that's why so much hinges on AJ. You know, getting into that, AJ's hunger to remain that top star, that's been questioned quite a lot. And I think a lot of people have questioned his mentality following, you know, the, the, the outburst after the Usyk second loss, for instance. And, you know, he's going away on four day in the dark retreats or I don't know if it was four days, but, he, you know, he's, he's been in the dark along with his, alone with his thoughts and he's doing all of these different things. And when you've made that much money and when you've been a two-time world champion... I guess you can understand, but where do you think AJ's at? Yeah, I actually listened to that interview with um, British journalist Louis Theroux the other mm. day with Anthony Joshua, and I found it really interesting because the bit that I picked out on the most was when Joshua said that the most enjoyable point of his career was being that emerging prospect that had all the hope and everyone was raising him up and he felt amazing kind of going through these guys like No Tomorrow and creating this amazing record for himself. He said that as soon as he became a champion, that's when that excitement and that fun kind of left him and it just became pressure. I completely understand that because he really was and still is to a point that pinup boy of British boxing. He was the perfect role model. He had the perfect record. He spoke so well. He was inspiring the next generation. He was everything whilst trying to be a full-time champion, training, eating right, sleeping right, doing everything that he needs to do. To balance those two things perfectly must be exhausting. And if he's thinking, 
well, I've achieved everything or at least most of everything that I've wanted to achieve. And I'm getting some backlash now because I lost a couple of fights like everyone does. You know, he broke down. That happens. Not that I'm condoning the way that he broke down, but people do break down. He's probably thinking, what, why am I still doing this? Why am I still here? Why am I still doing this? And that's why if you've listened to his interviews recently, you hear the shift that he's now saying, I want the money. Whereas beforehand, it was never that for him. It was always, I want to elevate British boxing. I want to inspire the next generation. I want to achieve this, this and this. Whereas now he quite frankly just says, I'm, I want to make big fights to make big money. I've never really understood why that's a dirty thing to say in boxing, right? Like it's, oh, you're taking this for the money. Even in any sport, basically, you get that sort of shame. Online. I don't think it should be, especially boxing, because you are putting yourself in the firing yeah, line. And it's a short, exactly, it's a short career span. Make as much money as you possibly can to cement your future, whether you have a family, their future, things like that. And I don't think there should be any shame about that. I, I, I don't get it. Like, if anybody, and anybody listening to this, whatever job you've got, imagine somebody else, or maybe even another country, another company, offers you three or four times your salary. I mean, you're going to go take that job. I think the frustration is when the fights fans want to see don't happen because of the money. And when we're talking, you know, you're going to get 45 million versus 55 million or something. And I know that's a lot of money, the difference, but people at home, the average Joe is thinking... 45 million, like, come on. Well, I mean, from that hunger and those paydays and the pressure of being the champion, I would be remiss if we didn't talk about Tom Aspinall and his crowning moment at UFC 295 this week, this past weekend in New York. Listen, as a a huge UFC fan, it was a magic moment to see Tom Aspinall knock out Pavlovich in the 69 seconds. 69 seconds. He knocked out what everyone was saying was the most dangerous man in the UFC, a man who'd been on five first round knockouts in the most dangerous division in a row. It was like, oh my God, he's in, he's in with the biggest shark he could possibly be in there with. And Aspinall dominated him. He, 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 it was just absolutely magical to see him. He's celebrating with Michael Bisping, uh, one of the other, only one of the other two English UFC champions of all time. Uh, we, we sold him short in our previews. I know, I know. We're not going to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I lost as well, so it's fine. Don't worry. No, but what I actually found really interesting was the fact that Aspinall beforehand, and a lot of fighters won't do this, but he admitted that he was scared going yeah. into that fight. And he said that Pavlovich was an intimidating guy, but he said that he deals well under pressure and that he has this very good relationship with fear. And for me, I actually saw that in the fight, you know, the fact that he got caught with a clean left hook right at the start of the fight. But instead of letting that wobble him and thinking, oh God, right, here we go. I think he kind of embraced it. And I think that brought the animal out of him as such that then he responded to that so well that normally people can crumble in those situations. So I actually think, of course, he won the fight physically, but I think it was the mental side of the fight that made him emerge victorious. It was pretty cool. They had that wonderful moment before the fight actually got underway when the referee brings them together and they, they had this unifying moment of like, this is both the biggest fight of our lives, like good luck to you sort of thing. We're about to go to war together, which, you know, is is normally reserved for after the bell, but 
they actually came together where nine times out of 10, the touch gloves and it's like, no, don't want to do that. But they had, they actually embraced, which was kind of crazy to see. Uh, and then Aspinall goes on to put on this wonderful performance. I mean, I, I wax lyrical last week about how much dynamite he has got in his hands and i think even for us who knew that it was like oh my word like the the beating that he managed to put on him and finish it that quickly it's it's an incredible moment for tom aspinall because the heavyweight division in ufc is obviously cleared out francis and garnu has taken on bigger and better things in his eyes well certainly monetarily uh john jones is injured until the summer and beyond with his torn pectoral muscle at this time, apart from Stipe Miocic perhaps coming back, and he's only interested in John Jones himself, there is no big name. Like, Tom Aspinall has arrived as the big name, which is really cool to see as somebody, I mean, I've followed his journey and interviewed him over the years. I've seen him come from nowhere to go on a tear and be UFC champion. Two, like, two years ago, he wasn't thinking about it. He was like, you know, I'm just trying to learn and try and get better and he, he he really always believed how good he was but he was like i'm just trying to work my way up the rankings and it's undoubtedly come quicker than he thought but we could be talking about tom aspinall and john jones yeah i actually think he has the kind of well-rounded skill set that could cause john jones some problems you know i think he could be the one to neutralize him i think that um he could get the better of him when it comes to the grappling exchanges that potentially other people haven't been able to utilize um so i think it is massive and it's definitely something that we'd like to see it's just about that interim period whilst we wait for john jones what does he do because that's a big gap to stay inactive and you know boxing typically mandate people to defend their titles and I actually think you could see that in UFC happening that he will be mandated to defend his title against someone whilst whilst we're waiting for John Jones to return. Now, we do have some fights coming up this week ourselves in the boxing world, and it has been another very busy week for the male. Um, on a frosty Thursday morning, <laughs> I headed to Shane McGuigan's gym in Leighton to sit down with Adam Azim. Um, Whilst I was there, I had the pleasure of talking to WBO cruiserweight champion uh, Chris Billum-Smith whilst watching Adam on the pads. And then we actually sat down on the corner of the ring and spoke about everything from his upbringing to his European title fight. Um, so it's safe to say, you know, Adam is one of the hottest prospects at the moment. Agreed. And he is looking to make history by winning the European title in his 10th professional fight. How do you kind of see that one going down? Well, it's, it's interesting that Adam has long been, you know, him and his brother, of course, have been professionals and fighting on the same cards. But very quickly, people were like, Adam looks like the real deal. And that's no disrespect to his brother, but Adam is just absolute levels. It's kind of still stolen. I was about to say stealed. Stolen the show uh, on many of the events that he's been on. Um, and it's no surprise when you hear the drive in him, what he's aiming to do. Like he wants, he's going for this uh, European title. And I believe he'll be the youngest two fights before Spencer Oliver. If one, I'm not fight mistaken. Before. one fight before. Yeah. Um, Spencer did it in 11. He's trying to do it in 10. He's going to be in, in 10, of course. And then, of you know, from there, obviously there are grander goals that he'll be heading towards. Um, you know, we talk about Anthony Joshua and if he's got the hunger and he enjoyed being on the rise, well, Adam Azim is in that place right now. That's exactly what he spoke to me about, that hunger, that determination and where it all started from. There's a quote that Muhammad Ali said, you know, sacrifice now and then you 
you know become the rest of your life as a champion so uh for me um i think i probably thank my dad for you know giving me those hours at the back of the garage where i learned the basics and that because i wouldn't be in there here because of him so yeah it's interesting that word sacrifice as well because yeah. a lot of people talk about it and a lot of people yeah. say it um I was playing sport growing up, you know, yeah. missed birthday parties, yeah, things like yeah, that, as yeah. you do. And everyone always said to me, oh, you're sacrificing so much. Yeah. But is it a sacrifice if it's the choice and if it's what you want to yeah. do and what you love? Do you, do you see it as a sacrifice? Or? Um, to be honest, if you love something that you want to accomplish, then you've got to make sacrifices. I believe that you have to make sacrifices like, you know, you can't really do what you have to do, you know, early in your childhood because that's where all your basics and fundamentals come from so um so you know i'm a man now so i can you know have my fights and then enjoy it afterwards family and friends and then go straight back in the camp that's that's always been my mindset so unlike yeah. um some other people you actually came out of school and you were homeschooled yeah do you did you find that that kind of gave you more time to focus on boxing and yeah. develop your skills yeah definitely uh, definitely made me more concentrated in the sport um because um when i was in school um, I kind of got distracted quite a lot, you know, um, with the teachers, like I used to get distracted uh, with the, you know, the friends as well, used to be with bad people, um, used to do a lot of junk in school as well, so, but it's because <laughs> I had ADHD, um, I couldn't control myself, so I think uh, the teachers had more hard time, you know, dealing with me, so, um, but I just feel like, um, you know, getting out of that school was probably a better thing for me, because um, that's how I would have been better in boxing anyway, so. And in terms of your career, you've had such a successful start. You know, yeah. you're unbeaten in nine fights. You've knocked out six of your opponents. Yeah. Pretty big statement to make with yeah. your professional start to your career. Yeah, yeah 100%. Um, you know, every single fight is a learning fight for me. If I can get the knockout, then that's brilliant. But um, yeah, so far, so everything's going the way I wanted. And uh, you know, keep winning these fights. That's the main thing. So. <laughs> and Ben Shalom actually compared the start of your career and the success you're having to the likes of Amir Khan. Yeah. What was it like to be compared to somebody like that? It's, it's brilliant because uh, he was the only British Asian Pakistani uh, uh, boxer become world champion. So um, you know, he's a massive name and he's he's a legend as well for England. So um, it's a, it's an honour as well. So. Uh, for me, I want to become the youngest world champion. So I want to become world champion in 2024, which is next year. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'm putting everything into this fight and then put everything to, you know, everything into the next year's fight as well. And in terms of Amir Khan, has he given you any guidance, any help? Are you, are you would you say you're friends with him? Yeah, yeah I can say he's like a big brother to me. So, <laughs> um, he's like a yeah, big brother to me because I've been to most of his fights when I was young. So uh, I used to be in the front row watching it with my dad. And now we've become really good friends. We're like more like family friends now. So, <laughs> love that. <laughs> what would you say then is the best bit of advice he's given you from his career? He, he's always told me to stay focused. You know, stay switched on. Take the rights at the right time. Um, you know, if 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 you're you know, let's say if you have another fight and uh, you're obviously you don't get carried away. You know, he come to the change room and told me like to stick with your jab. You know, keep winning the fights. There's no, there's no reason, need to rush and get the knockout. The knockout will come. I was actually listening to um, an interview with Anthony Joshua recently and yeah. he was talking about the fact that the most enjoyable part of his career was being a prospect yeah. and rising through the ranks and having everyone kind of looking at him thinking, wow, look at this guy. Yeah. And he said that actually becoming a champion was when that kind of went away and the pressure was on his shoulders. Do you think you're mentally ready to take on that pressure of becoming a champion? 
Yeah, hundred um, percent. And this is the you know build up stage where you know I'm getting all the pressure already. So as uh, for me, it's, I have to you know be switched on. You know, obviously stay disciplined. And um, what what the thing is, I love about fighting is that I love to fight in the ring. I don't really focus about anything else. You know, the media and all this stuff comes with it, but uh, all the pressure doesn't phase me. Only the fight, only the fight I'm focused for. So. Another great interview from Charlotte there. I mean, ADHD homeschooled. I didn't know any of that. So you've opened my eyes, Charlotte. I'm a supposed to journalist. Uh, there's plenty more from that chat on our Male Sport Boxing YouTube channel, uh, you know, on his sports and future fights and plenty more. Um, it, we, we should say he's got Frank Pettijohn, right? I, I think uh, people are just assuming he's going to win, right? So it, it, we, we should give some respect to his opponent at the Civic Hall in Wolverhampton this weekend should be the, the victor. I think everyone's expecting him to be the victor. Yeah, I mean, you can't put him down too much, Pettijohn, that is. Mm. Um, he's on a three-fight winning streak. He also had um, a victory in June earlier this year where he won by majority decision, I believe it was. Um, and he knocked out his opponent before that for the vacant European super lightweight title. God, it's mouthful, that, it isn't is. it? Yes. <laughs> um, so he can't be under Estimated. And ultimately, Adam Azim is still learning his craft at the moment. Like He is only 21 years old. Yeah. And this is the first time that he's fought competitively at professional level for a title like this. No matter how many fights you've had before, no matter who you've ticked off your list, this is your first title fight. It's a totally different ball game. And that comes into your preparation, your mental psyche, everything like that. So you can't write off Pettijohn for this fight. And you can't say that Adam Azim is just going to walk in there and do what he does. You know, it's going to be competitive. And it's one that I'm really looking forward to watching, actually. Uh, if he keeps on the right path, there is a hell of a lot there for him. That's the thing. I mean, he is on that right path and he's very quickly following in the footsteps of his friend, so Amir Khan. You know, the fact that he, Amir, that is, unified at 24. He won his first world title at 22. Adam has said to me that he wants to win his first world world title in 2024. Now, he turns 22 in July. Mm -hmm. So if he does that, he's done exactly what Amir Khan's done. He could go on to unify. But then, you know, the problem is what, left for you in terms of hunger wise if you've ticked off world champion and unification by the time you're 24 how hard is it to stay motivated and stay in camp and do all of these things that you need to do when in your head you're already the big cheese you know it's, it's funny because i think it's about the person themselves and how they're built uh you know dare i say their upbringing and just their attitude because as the old adage goes, and Conor McGregor has kind of become prone to this, it's hard to get up and go running at 5am when you're sleeping in silk sheets, right? <laughs> and that's to say, once you've made a lot of money and you've got everything you ever wanted, what makes you get up and do it again? Now, someone like Canelo Alvarez is a good example of that. The man is over 50 fights in his career, undisputed champion in the division, has fought Floyd Mayweather, has made bucket loads of money. And he still fights three times a year. No matter what, that man is out there fighting because that's what he loves, right? That's what he wants to do. It's who he is. He's not like thinking about Hollywood or anything <laughs> like this. Uh, this man is a boxer. Now, if you're Mike Tyson and you, you know, he'd, he, he's the first to say this, he'd never been exposed to money and he took his eye off the ball and he, st you know, started enjoying other things in life. That's when these things creep in. But 
I think somebody who seems so singular in focus as Adam Azim, uh, I think he's he's a man who will just continue making new goals for himself. And that's what the best do. They want to climb another mountain and then another one. And you don't even know what it is yet, but he, he will find new goals. And as I mentioned earlier, there will be plenty of mountains to climb. There are Lomachenkos, Haney's. There are so many names in and around 10 pounds of where he is right now. He will not struggle to find difficult hurdles to overcome. And that is what leads you to becoming a big name in this country. You take those big fights, like AJ took Klitschko, right? You make your name by having those career-defining moments. And to me, he's not the kind of guy who's like, you know, nine times out of ten, what happens with a boxer, right? They're, they're protecting the O. They're skillfully match-made until they get to world level. Adam just seems hell-bent on the quickest route to the biggest prizes. And I think that will lead him to big names. I think it will as well. I mean, I think that's where then Shane McGuigan will kind of step in. He's already said that he doesn't want Adam fighting for a title too soon. That he said that, you know, he'd quite like to see him against Harlem Eubank as the next fight. Um, So that's a potential one. We might even... times wagging. It would. Yeah, we might see that on the Amir Khan undercard after after all. I'm not overly interested in watching Amir Khan box again, especially after what I saw against Kell Brook. I, I didn't think he particularly wanted to be there. He, I, I believed in the run-up to that fight that he really wanted it. Um, and then I just felt like what I saw on the night and particularly how he conducted himself after, which was respectful, but he didn't seem like he was that bothered, that he knew he'd got the biggest cash fight he could at the end of his career. And he wasn't actually that hungry or bothered about it and to me the only difference here is that i know he chased pacquiao mayweather for years so finally getting the pacquiao fight might bring out the best in him but i'm not getting my hopes up it's like you read amir khan's mind about that <laughs> kelbrick fight it's actually something we spoke about in saudi and he kind of opened up on it your dream is to win a world title. Once you win a world title, it's like the rest is just autopilot. You just get on with it. That's it. Honestly, like, I was just doing it for the sake of it. Then, like, okay, my job is people know me as a fighter. The way I looked at it was people want to see me fight. People want to, people are entertained by watching me. So I have to keep on performing for them. So I've then become like a people's fighter instead of fighting for myself, yeah. Well, people's fighter, absolutely. I mean, you're loved across the UK for sure. So, um, But in terms of those big fights, what is it like? I mean, I was just telling you a minute ago about I've been down to the arena for this weekend and it looks insane. What is it like fighting in big venues like that and walking out in front of the crowd, you know, title fights, things like that? It's, it's amazing, honestly. When you're walking out and your name's just being um, uh, shouted out, uh, you're walking out to the ring. I mean, you do get goosebumps, don't get me wrong. You are nervous to hell. You're thinking, well, you know what I mean? You Sometimes I think to myself, I should have picked another sport. Why am I doing this again? But you are nervous, and you, but, you, you, but you know you're ready mentally. You, in your mind, you know that you're so focused and ready. You've trained so hard for this time. It's time to go to war. And you just switch on, boom. You switch on and your nerves have gone and uh, you're waiting for that belt to go said there about nerves and I was talking to Tyson Fury about this and nerves and he was saying beforehand in his dressing room he's super lively up dancing yeah. chatting to everyone what was your dressing room like? My, not the same no no they were never the same no never I mean Tyson and me are very different characters Tyson is a lively type of character and 
fun and jumps about and everything. With me, it was more like, um, it was more like just praying, um, doing my prayers, uh, just having the gym, having the room nice and calm, settled. Because I know I'm going to war, so I need to be, my mind needs to be at peace. And I need to think about the game plan. And uh, it's a quiet room. So yeah, I was total opposite. Mine's total opposite. I mean, I like to see what his room's like. I bet it would be, yeah, louder than the arena itself. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm enticing. I can see him having a loud room and having a lot of people coming in. And see, that's what he's been around. I've always been around quiet, quiet times and uh, quiet rooms and stuff. But with Tyson, he's always been around that craziness. So that's what kind of thrives him and kind of lifts him up. And in terms of after the fight then, are you still as quiet? Would you just what, go back to the family or is it big night out, celebrate with the team? No, you know what, quiet, yeah. Yeah, them days have gone for me where, I'm um, even when I was, yeah, you know, to be honest with you, very quiet, yeah. Compared to, like when I compare myself to Tyson, I'm very quiet, yeah. But normally, I'm like normal other fighters would do, like go for dinner with the family, have dinner with the family, go, call, go to my suite or the room and we'll have, we'll have a sit down there. Maybe there's an after party there, but what I would do, I'd go to the after party, five, ten minutes and leave. Because I just don't want to, yeah, Shuma, because you've just been, you, you've been in an arena where it's full of noise and people supporting and shouting your name. And then you want a piece of quiet and you want a time to think about and just bring you back down to earth, you know. Look, if I fight Manny Pacquiao, I think it'll be a brilliant fight because it's someone I've always looked up to and I always trained with him. So we know each other quite well. And plus, time-wise, it's good for us both because, look, that's one fight that lift me up and I'll be like, oh yeah, I wanna, I wanna perform. You know what I mean? Cause he's a legend. Um, like in the last fight with Brooke, it wasn't the same because it was like, you know, I know I made enough money. I can just chill out. It's like, I didn't want to even be there. Like, but Mike, Ty I mean, a fight with, uh, not Mike Tyson, a fight with Manny Pacquiao would definitely lift me. <laughs> Forget that, I take, take that back. I'd like to see Mike Tyson fight Amir Khan. Funnily enough, <laughs> wouldn't mind that. Uh, we've had Adam Azim on the show already this week. He fights on Saturday, November 18th. But a man fighting on Thursday, November 16th, is Shakur Stevenson as he goes for the WBC lightweight title vacated by champion in recess. Devon Haney, Edwin De Los Santos stands across from Stevenson and I caught up with him ahead of the fight. A couple of days ago with Eri Hawaini, uh, Haney suggested that, I don't, you know, I don't know if you saw this, but he was saying that if you compared your two's resumes, that he believes that you would be the one that is ducking him, which again, you know, I've got my own thoughts on that, but um, I just wanted to get your response uh, to those comments. I think that, um, I, what, what, I, what I will say about that, I think that uh, the Limachenko, if you scratch Limachenko off his resume, right? And uh, you put my resume up against his, um, I think that my resume better. Quite the message from Shakur Stevenson there, uh, which you will also be able to see on Male Sport Boxing on YouTube and read online. We hit all of your senses here on The Hook. Uh, I, I think he's going to take that title, although Edwin De Los Santos is no joke. I do think he'll do what he did at Featherweight dominate at lightweight and he's gonna chase down Haney once again lest we forget he moved from featherweight to get Haney they had negotiations to fight and they fell through and then Haney decided he wanted to go up and, and go after more belts fine if once you're undisputed or unified the division but um this who's ducking who 
Ah, I'm not sure you can lay the blame at Shakur Stevenson's door. (laughs) No, um, just there, like you said, I do think um, he beats Edwin De Los Santos. But Stevenson, he's... He's an interesting one for me, okay? He's very skillful, but I think to go down in history and be remembered and be this face of boxing that he wants to be, you have to be able to walk through fire as well. And I don't think I've really seen him in the trenches as much as I would like to see him. I think the fight with Haney will be interesting one because I think Haney is a spiteful puncher. I think he can um, throw great shots, whether he's fighting on the inside, whether he's fighting from distance. And I think that's something that's going to really test Stevenson. So I want to see that fight happen. But I actually think I'd potentially have Haney in that fight. Well, when that fight finally is made, Charlotte, uh, Haney will not be happy to hear you bet on him. You you are the new Drake curse. <laughs> <laughs> My reputation is in tatters just from this podcast. Brilliant. You only ever one fight away <laughs> turning it all around. Well, that's nice and positive. Thank you for that. At least keep telling yourself that. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Let's see if Charlotte can finally get out of the blocks next week. I hope not. But speaking of next week, we've spoke about nothing but big fights on this show so far this week. And for Mail Online, Charlotte will be taking the hook to Ireland next week for another big fight. Over to Dublin we go. Again. Um, again, yeah. Kate Taylor back in action against Chantal Cameron, a fight I'm really looking forward to and I'm also very nervous for as a Katie Taylor fan. Oh, do you not think she's going to do it? I would love to see her do it, but oh, there's just something about Chantal Cameron. She's just a tank. 
of an athlete. Like, she is an absolute tank. But more to come on that next week. I will be in Dublin from Tuesday. I'll be there at the Open Workout on Wednesday, press conference on Thursday. I'll be sitting down, having exclusive interviews with all the athletes, Eddie Hearn, the whole shebang. And you can catch that right here on The Hook. Charlotte Daly will be there for us, getting all of the scoops and action live in Dublin and maybe a Guinness or two. Maybe. Or a forged Irish stout. Ah, brand new. <laughs> plug, plug. <laughs> well, anyway, we are sponsored by Paddy Power. Please remember to download the Mail Plus app for lots of extra content and check out Mail Online for all the latest breaking news stories. For full interviews and features with stars from the fighting world, head to Mailsport Boxing YouTube channel. And for the clips, make sure you go to our social channels. Also, don't forget to leave a comment. Here's a nice one we got from Craig Dunnage on Spotify. Great podcast. Like the interactions between very knowledgeable presenters. Thank you, Craig. Uh, hope to hear more of the interviews. Well, hopefully he has. <laughs> like the sound of this Craig guy. Um, yes, much like Craig, please don't forget to rate and review us on whatever platform you get your podcasts on and come back next and every Tuesday. I'm Alex McCarthy. I'm Charlotte Daly. And this is The Hook. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.